Hey y'all, this is Beth Burroughs, American Whiskey Ambassador for the James Beebeam Distilling Company. Pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. Like Comic-Con or whatever you may be. Uh, what's what's up, Whiskey Man Irv? Good guy right there. Um, so, you know, uh, Two Soul Spirits just said, because it's awesome and the people who make it are even better. Such a great community. Like Comic-Con and stuff, there's such interesting characters in the whiskey world, but the people are absolutely incredible i have never in my i was in the military and i don't know a love thank you for your service for my service i don't like i don't um i haven't met a group of people that i my wife said in the comments earlier we can't wait to you know covid you know if we're covid friendly wrap our arms around the people we know in this industry i can't wait to see beth in person you right. I, mean? I, don't I don't think mean, she. I don't think she exists. I don't. Remains uh, 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 to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> but but the people we've met and um, had the opportunity to interview and and I think now I'm gonna start crying. Um. The the people in the industry <laughs> are. Yeah. Now now there's more. two. Just there's one. two. Most of it's two. I'm sweat. Unacceptable. It's, people are incredible, and I think I think for me that's that's the bourbon. I mean, kind of to tie it back to. Um, the bourbon festival that's the point right to i'm, I'm signaling with my hands bringing together <laughs> but, choking depending on your, you just yeah. strangle people is what you do you, you strangle people in there. sign language is family there you go there you go family that's a good one um so and to speak to that i um from 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 the beginning, we have basically said that we're blown away by the whiskey community at whole. Not not not, not just the bourbon community, the world whiskey community, a whiskey community, right? And just like um, my brother said to me, uh, we had my we had my brother over for um, my brother and his wife and one of his kids over for dinner last night, and he said to me, he's not really into whiskey or whatever, um, but he said to me, he goes, he goes, so what's like the end game for cask chasers. And I was like, I couldn't tell you. I was like, <laughs> he's like, is it just like the community? Is it, uh, I said, it, it's just so interesting to me. And I love the people that I've met so much. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big whiskey nerd and I, I, lo- I love whiskey. I love the art of it. I love the people that I, it, but to me, it really is the people, the people that I've met, the stories that I've heard, the coming together around the fire, whether that's physically or metaphorically. And it's just like, I can't, I just, what, whatever I wind up doing, I, I can't be away from but just, it. You know what I mean? Just when we think, do we have the raw the last show? Is there nothing else to talk about? You know, just yesterday, a ribbon cutting in Kentucky, the first African American, the first black owned Kentucky bourbon um, company just opened up. You know, um, we were the last interview for Jim McEwen. Um, you know, the first female master distiller. The first these these first keep happening, and these in this industry keeps doing things that are like where the re- I, and not to get all whatever, but the rest of the world can't keep up. This industry yeah. goes no, we're doing this now, and I think it's probably one of the best examples of where we all should be. And there's always something to talk about because of that yeah. by itself. Yeah. It's it's absolutely incredible. Um, uh, the the people and the growth and the imagination and the direction yeah. and 
I just think that's that's the point. That's where it is. It doesn't end because as long as there's something to do, as long as there's more, the whiskey industry is going to do it, in my opinion. I mean, and, and there's so many industries that are always going to be kind of like I don't know about spaces, them, right? You don't know about them. Uh, nothing. You don't I don't care. Them. I care about this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't care about those guys. But Jen's no, probably I mean, doing I mean, amazing <laughs> things, and I'm like, I don't care, Jen. <laughs> well, I mean, if we think about whiskey as a whole, right, and we think about bourbon specifically, or American whiskey, right, so our rise and, and our bourbons, you know, that is the native spirit of the United States, right? So as we talk about America's native spirit, we're talking about American whiskey. And with that, like, I think that they mirror one another, right? As America goes through everything that it goes through, it's ebbs and it's flows and it's good and it's bad and it's, um, you know, it's highs and it's lows and people are, you know, wherever they feel we are, but like, as people we're ever growing and as, as, you know, we have these new opportunities that we get to seize on as we see problems, we fix them. Um, you know, sometimes it, it takes longer or a shorter time, whatever it might be, but like as, it's a reflection, right? So as, as we continue to grow as people and as a country and everything, I think that the American whiskey category is also going to grow and evolve and, you know, have its ebbs and flows, but people always want to know when the whiskey boom is going to end. Right. I think that that's like a constant question that people ask, who knows? And probably not. Right. Yeah. Right. As far as a boom goes, I've never seen more O's in the middle of the word. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, I mean, let's think of the other options. Beer beer is doing some cool stuff. I'll give beer its credit mm-hmm. where credit's due. Um, then you have whiskey, of course, which is killing it. And then vodka just refuses to be anything cooler. It just it's gonna, <laughs> it wears the same mullet in the same suit it wore at prom. <laughs> it doesn't change. What cha- is happening? That's my problem with vodka. I just don't see another spirit. Wine, wine kicked itself in the ass because it was so pretentious back in the day and now it's like no we're cool too no wine you dropped the ball (laughs) you made everybody feel weird about it and we don't know what you're talking about with where it's from but whiskey is very inviting whiskey is for everybody and again to segue back into the kentucky bourbon festival you know we were talking to david who's heading it up um this year and the great team that's heading up they're expecting this year to be even bigger because you know the Kentucky Bourbon Festival had, let's be honest, it had its ups and downs. It, it did a lot of this. Everything does, right? You know what I mean? But I think they're grasping the idea of it's not just for your 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 person that's, you know, your enthusiast. It's for the person that's interested in stepping in and that doesn't want to feel uncomfortable about it. And I think that's rad. I think that's cool. I think it's, I think, I think whiskey can be very pretentious and I think it can be very sure. inviting at the same time and and it's the person right it's the person who's introducing you into that space if the person wants to make it a pretentious and unreachable thing then that's what it's going to be but if the person wants to be inviting and and bring you into the fold and create a a, you know a space for you in that space um i think that then that's going to be a welcoming and opening space to you right so it's all about the people who bring you into it whether it's the the whiskey world or any other world of any other you know hobby or liking or, or any of that stuff so i think you know i i understand your qualms with vodka but vodka has its place too right all of the spirits we'll, have their places we'll certain agree to people disagree are gonna like certain things <laughs> we'll stay friends i i love you beth i think you're incredible but we're gonna draw the line that's that's our line and we'll know you know we, we gotta have differences friendships i like when we find lines yeah 
Listen, we've got boundaries, boundaries and friendship. Um, I didn't say that I necessarily drank lots of vodka. I'm just saying, I understand. If I see something like this would be better alcoholic, I'll bring vodka in to hang out. But outside of that, I don't understand. That sounds like vodka is a reliable buddy to you. No, vodka's the guy that vodka's like a hitman. I don't want to do the messy work. I want vodka to do it. You know what I mean? Like I don't want. Still need him. I'm just saying. You're still still utilizing the friendship. Vodka's Um, the drug dealer you don't tell your friends about. You know what I mean? How'd you get this watermelon? Don't worry about it. I just not know a guy. Is whiskey the drug dealer you do tell your friends about? I'm I'm just trying to figure out Whiskey's, what the different things are. Whiskey is the cousin that everybody knows sells you pot and weed, and he's cool, and everybody loves him, <laughs> and he comes what? over. Vodka's the guy that's in the alley with the trench coat, and that's who I Vodka is. I, he, he, you asked. terrible. You is, asked. I did ask. You're Why do you ask? ask? If you know. No, yeah. That's Sorry, true. Beth. That's Sorry. true. That was, that that's was true. That, that's true. That was, that was, a, that was a thing. That was a thing. I'm um, sorry. Real quick, theory. Went- Two Soul Spirit said, uh, we gained weight from beer, and now we we whiskey, we use the whiskey to lose weight. I don't, I don't know, know about, about lose that, weight. But, uh, yeah, because I'm not. But I will tell you this. The most attractive people in the spirits game are in whiskey. That's just my opinion. And beer people all oh, look I the same. I think I agree with that. Beer people all look they the do. same. They all look like they probably they look like log me. cabins. They all <laughs> look like me. They, they look they like they're on the show alone. Where they can, you know, fish with like, <laughs> what did you bring to survive? I brought a piece of string. And they live for like a year. That's beer people. Whiskey people look like a good time slash they, they age like a Matthew McConaughey. You know what I mean? They're just like, you're 50? Wow. All right. You must be in whiskey. That's that's whiskey people to me. They're incredibly attractive. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I don't know one ugly whiskey person. Not one. Why are you making me stop to think about yeah. ugly whiskey people? I'm like, wow. He's, well, he's let me like, see. He's like, do I? Uh, what I was looking, <laughs> you know who's ugly. No, what I was doing was fishing for compliments, and none of that came. Anyway, no, next topic. No. Um, whale. So I, I wanted whale. To, uh, whale. I, w- I wanted to uh, dive into a little. So, uh, Beth, you said um, you were talking about like the person that introduces you to whiskey, right? Or bourbon or whatever the case may be. And I mean, our, a, a big point of our show, the Cask Chasers community, all that is introducing new people to whiskey. And I, I, I hope and I like to think that we're doing an OK job of it as far as not being pretentious, making it approachable and all that. Can you speak a little bit about and I, ex- I fully expect a long convoluted answer to this. So Great, it's OK. Um, Here we go. I hope what, so. If you if you Beth Burroughs are introducing uh a new person to bourbon, to whiskey, to the whiskey world. What what would you say to a person who's never tried whiskey, but is considering going to the Kentucky Bourbon Festival because a friend of theirs is going? Not, I mean, not going this year because it's sold out. I hear it's it's now sold out. Um, we kept but, telling you. Um, what would what would you say to someone who's maybe having hesitation about it or going to the bourbon festival? Or getting into bourbon, and it's just like I don't know what to expect. I don't, I don't know what bourbon's all about. What, what do you say to the newcomer? So I think that it's not necessarily a a bourbon whiskey question. I think it's a hospitality question. All right, good. Yeah. When you meet people where they are, I want to learn why you're going. Are you going just because your friend is going? What interests you? Right? Like what? What could you possibly glean from this experience? Maybe it's coming to Kentucky for the first time and 
taking away any preconceived notions about what you think Kentucky is. Like, I will mm. say one of the funniest things to me is when people get here, they're like, I don't want to leave. I didn't realize it was this beautiful. I didn't know it was this amazing, you know, because I don't know whatever preconceived notions they have about what Kentucky might be, but they get here and they see it as everything that it is, which is, you know, you, you know, right. Kentucky is beautiful and it's full of great people. And it's, it's just enough far South that you get some this nice Southern charm with it. But you know, you also have a little bit of that Northern attitude. Like I like to, yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> it just depends. And each place in Kentucky is going to be a bit different. And so like, really it's, it's figuring out where that person is and where they're coming from. So are they, you know, where are you on your whiskey journey? Are you brand new? Fantastic. Do you want to take that first step? Amazing. Do you not? We can talk the cocktail route. We can talk the, um, you know, maybe looking at spirit adjacent. Maybe you don't want to consume any alcohol at all, right? Like maybe you're here for the history or you're here for the science of it all. Maybe that piece interests you. And there's going to be a different way to, to go about the Kentucky Bourbon Festival if that's what's interesting you versus tasting something that maybe you haven't gotten your hands on before or you're looking for specific allocated things or whatever. You know, everybody's coming to the Kentucky Bourbon Festival with a different piece in mind. You know, everybody's coming with a different mission. It may revolve around the their whiskey journey, but everybody's coming in in a different space. And so apparently, I would say if somebody's brand new. <laughs> apparently somebody's yeah. coming because you're there. And that's one of the comments. I mean, so I, I just got brownie points he's looking for. <laughs> Listen, I'm always trying to get this- free whiskey. He is. You're he is. Free whiskey. You can I mean, he- to me all you want. There's no free whiskey, but like I will take the ego. Honestly, so I appreciate no. <laughs> Beth and I and I love you to death, but no one's even heard of your distillery. So I mean, that's right. <laughs> We're really small, guys. Very um, small. <laughs> Jack, Jack, Jack Jean, Beans, Beam, Jack something. Beans, Beam. Something. Listen, they love Jim Beans. It's yeah. fine. We put out an April. <laughs> um, there was an April Fool's joke that came out a while ago. It was like multiple years ago where they put out Jim Beans because awesome. some people do accidentally yeah. mispronounce it. Yeah, Jim Bean. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Um, you know, Bean is probably an easier thing for people's brains to to coincide with. They've said Bean a million times. Um, at this point, my phone corrects now to no. So I feel like we're yeah. just on, we're done. I love I love when stuff like that happens. <laughs> I, I, Dana's, Dana talks to Peggy so often. Hers, her, she's like mm-hmm. my my phone keeps going to no. Because yeah. you call Peggy no, you call her Peggy no Stevens. I call her the love of my life but Peggy, I mean, if you're listening, she is a stellar oh, she's a stellar lady we did that interview with her i don't want to go off on a tangent but i but you will fell <laughs> please blushing a little bit it's fine. oh my god she well i was so uberly flirty she's a mate she's incredible she's absolutely incredible anyway um can you do me a big favor and answer a there's no such thing as a stupid question i heard you say that before Haida, how would you pronounce this? G-L-E-N-A-L-L-A-C-H-I-E. <laughs> I pronounce that delicious. Or Glenallachy. Okay. Right. Single malt scotch whiskey from Speyside. Okay. The distillery's been around since 1967, but only available as a single malt since 2018. Uh-huh. And the whiskeys are designed by Billy Walker. What? Yeah. Talk to me more. Yeah, I know, because you you have no idea who Billy Walker is. No. But the Cast Chasers podcast fan base do. Okay. He was the gentleman behind Glendronach Distillery, Ben Riach, Glen Glassa. I should be excited right you now. You should be. If you're a whiskey fan, you should be super excited. Okay. Big, fruity, heavy, sherried whiskeys, just oh. glorious stuff. Okay. Yep, Glenallachy. That's okay. how you pronounce it. Okay, Glenallachy. Right? Glenallachy.
Okay. Impex Beverages. Yes. Guess what we are? Uh, I don't know. Proud sponsors of the Cast Chasers podcast. Right. Yes. I did say um, that. Who is Jim Beam? As like a person? Yeah. Who was that? That was our fourth generation master distiller. She so. says she says it matter of fact, like, like Bobby, you're an idiot. For the listeners that don't I know, know, you know this. Yeah, yeah, no, I do, I do. I just so I think of the listeners. So let's just go real quick through the history, um, just to give you a little bit of perspective, right? So I will do this in the most concise, fast and ish way that I possibly can. But um I love it. You know, everything started with Jacob Beam. Jacob Beam was our first ever master distiller. He was a farmer first, distiller second. He had the opportunity to come from Maryland to Kentucky. Well, it wasn't Kentucky at the time, but what is now present day Kentucky. Um, and he laid down his first barrel in 1795. So that was, that was where it started. Um, and he did that because when you're a farmer and you have excess grains, you don't want that to go to waste. So what are you going to do? You're going to distill it, right? You you might as well. (laughs) You might as well. Um, but you know, so we're looking at something that's not really aged at that point. It's, it's distillate from, um, you know, what, what he was doing at that point in time. Now, when he passed it to his son, David, David decides, you know what? We're going to flip this on its head. We're going to become distillers. We're distillers first. We just happen to farm our own grains, right? So, like, he was really kind of the one that, that flipped the business into the whiskey business as a family business. Um, his son, David M., takes over. You know, the two of them were working through the Industrial Revolution. That's where Old Tub comes in. So, that's David M. That's actually Jim Beam's dad. Um, he's running the Old Tub Distillery. He's producing Old Tub. We're getting on the railroad. So, we're going, you know, shipping our bourbon out, shipping our grains in. We have this opportunity to kind of grow. Uh, a bit more than we ever had. And then when he passes to his son, our fourth generation master distiller, James Beauregard Beam, right? Colonel James Beauregard Beam, you want to get real technical with it. Um, but, <laughs> and it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so when that happens, um, you know, he's being handed this very entrepreneurial uh, adventure that his father had been on, who was taking over from his father and his grandfather. Uh, but, he ran into so many issues along the way, like the Spanish flu, right? Something that I would have never spoken about prior to us living through a pandemic. But now we know what that did to our, our world, our psyche, our, you know, commerce, our industry, right? It was a very interesting time. Now doing that in the, you know, was 1918, I think was the Spanish flu. So Mm -hmm. like doing that in 1918, like, what was that like (laughs) when you didn't have people communicating, when you didn't have, this widespread knowledge of what was going on. It was just a really scary time. And, you know, I, I don't know what it was like. I haven't done enough research into it, but it is something worth thinking about. Um, thinking about World War One, right? He went through that, which was a little bit earlier than the Spanish flu. Then going through Prohibition and going through the Great Depression, you know, two very, very pivotal points in our culture here as a country and everything that we went through. Um, that that's a lot, right? But like learning things from World War One helped us in, in World War Two, which we could talk about all of those really cool things later at a different time when we really want to get historical. Um, but Jimmy got us through all of that. He tried his hand at citrus farming, at stock markets, um, at limestone rock quarrying. So he moves our distillery to what is now our mm-hmm. present day distillery in Claremont. Um, so that was the Murphy and Barber distillery. He gets that distillery up and running in 120 days after prohibition is repealed in the state of Kentucky. And he's in his 70s at that point. But that man got us through so much and kept the the entrepreneurial spirit all the way through, uh, just making sure to keep that family business name alive. And, and maybe that family business was going to pivot because it had to because of the way that, you know, the world was working. But he kept going. And then he turned it around and he passed it to his son, T. Jeremiah. So T. Jeremiah, global ambassador, 
known for the decanters. So if you have a decanter at home, it's probably because of G. Jeremiah and his ingenuity, because after prohibition was repealed, people had started drinking exports, you know, like the exported things. So like they were coming into the country, whether it be Irish whiskey, Canadian whiskey, um, your, your vodka comes in, you know, somewhere, <laughs> we'll whisper it. Um, vodka, it, vodka, in, drink it. <laughs> in the fifties, you know, and, and people are starting, you know, in the business world to have, there are three martini lunches and, and things like that. So you're starting to see these clear spirits reign, reign supreme. Um, and so T. Jeremiah was stuck with whiskey that they had been producing, that they had gotten up and running after Prohibition. And they're like, well, shit, what are we going to do with this? And T. Jeremiah being, you know, the entrepreneurial mind that he was said, well, why don't we put things that people want on their mantle and just happen to fill them with whiskey? Which is why you see such a plethora of, um, you know, differing decanters that are out there he's our global ambassador he gets us into over 100 different countries you know this man is out there spreading the good word of what is now jim beam what used to be old tub um and really just getting more people to understand it so taking on the legacy of his father taking on the legacy of his grandfather um and that traveling word of you know mouth about how great these things were and then laying the foundation for his nephew booker who's the next person to take over so that's where you'll see that switch over from beam to no um, so Frederick Booker, no, he's actually Frederick Booker, no, the second, um, his mother was Jim Beam's daughter. And so, you know, he's coming in really kind of new on the heels of working underneath his uncle, working with some other family members within the distillery and eventually getting to the point of saying, well, how am I going to differentiate myself and, and this liquid from everything else and coming up with the small batch collection, right? Starting with Booker's and, and creating this whole category that did not exist before Booker No, that doesn't have a legal definition, right? Small batch doesn't have a legal definition. It's mm. different between each and every distillery. But this man started a movement um, of, of how he wanted to craft whiskey. And he created very strict standards. You know, you look at, at people like Kathleen Benedetto who went on the road with that entire, uh, you know, small batch collection with Booker. And you know, he was teaching her things in the distillery that eventually led to her becoming one of the women in the, the bourbon hall of fame, right? Like she had this journey with him. He was bringing people in, educating them and creating this culture of um, a new way of looking at spirits and specifically American whiskey. And then bringing in Fred, right? His son, who is now our current seventh generation master distiller. And for those of you that don't know, when we did the ribbon cutting um, on our distillery after COVID, after the renovations, it was just like a reintroduction and a reopening of the distillery. Fred named his son, Freddie, who's our eighth generation Beam family distiller as a co-master distiller. So we have a father and son co-master distiller, seventh and eighth generation in the Beam family working side by side. Um, Fred is over the James B. Beam Distilling Company. So what you know in Claremont and Freddie is over the Fred B. No Distillery or the FBN, as we like to call it, um, distillery on campus within that Claremont campus. And so... Freddie is over the distillery that's making bookers over the distillery that's making bakers, which is on my shirt. Um, you know, creating little book chapter six is about to drop here really soon. And wait. it is different and yes. interesting and a whole new way of looking at things. And I'm going to let Freddie be the one that talks about it. Cause it's not yeah. quite out there to everybody yet. And I don't want to drop in and spoilers, but you know, I had the opportunity to sit with Freddie and walk through it. And I just, I wanted to pick his brain about everything. Uh, not only the liquid that he's giving me in this deconstructed tasting, because as we know, Little Book is a class A blend. Um, so all of those whiskeys are fully formed themselves. And then they come together into the blend that, that Freddie produces in each one of his chapters. But, you know, being able to understand how his mind works, because he's so much like his granddaddy Booker, right? And this innovation and just wanting to dig their heels and their fingers into everything and understand 
every aspect and what they can do differently and how they can change the landscape of what we do in the American whiskey world. Um, you know, and, and Fred is right there alongside him, encouraging him, being very proud of him. And Fred got us through this, this resurgence that we've been through, right? You know, he's the reason that all of his dad's brands have complete families now and, and have these limited time offerings that come out underneath them and what those innovations look like. like he you, got have to kind a, of that ship. you have a partnership with one of the greatest Japanese whiskey manufacturers on the planet Earth. Agreed. You, 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 first off. Do you have geese? Yeah, who has geese? Sorry. Geese or geese? That's not me. I have geese. Okay. They're okay. actually, so I, no, there are, there are geese flying by, but I was like, me. what is, I, what in the Kentucky? I, I, I hate geese also. If you ask well, any, if we the drive. The of the bird world. And my name, if, my last name is Bird, so I know. If I we, if we it. drive, pe- if me and my, I have four kids, God help me. If me and my family drive past like a field and there's geese, my kids will go geese. And one of my kids will go, daddy hates geese. Like that's, <laughs> that's how much I hate geese is that my, my, uh, my children like bring up that I hate geese as often as they can. Um, I real quick want to do a spinoff of Bobby's question. Um, who is Jim beam? And I want to know David beam. How old was his tub? No, I'm kidding. Um, so McLencairn Bourbon says, how "What much iron was in that tub?" <laughs> that's right. That's right. How? What? What is, was it? A, was it a brass tub? What, it tell was me a more about the tub. Okay. Uh, it, it, that's you. all I picture. Is very sexy. Tub. I picture it very right. sexy, but also poisonous. That's what. That's my David Beam. <laughs> all right. Listen, so. that's, that's the the vibe that I go yeah. for. There you go. What's your favorite whiskey from Beam, and what flavors do you find most prominent? Heard so. I, I have gotten asked this question a lot. I think that everybody in the industry gets asked this question. I think it right. varies, right? It, sure. That's 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 my answer, right? Is that it varies. Um, I've, my general response is I've been behind the stick in the whiskey world. Is it depends on the day and who's paying. Honestly, that still hasn't sure. changed. Um, it, you know, <laughs> and some people always say like the the one in my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any of those things, right? But for me, I think that it, it comes down to you. Know, I have this amazing distillery to pull from. And I have an amazing parent company that I can pull from. So depending on whether I want to be sipping something from the James B. Beam Distilling Company, which I do quite often when it comes to make, making those choices, I you know have an affinity for very specific ones within there um, with things that have never been put out in the world, things that only got put out in the world one time. You know, One of my absolute favorites, and I, I will tout this and everybody knows, uh, we did the Harvest Collection in December of 2014. But there was an 11-year-old brown rice in there that I will seek and find Oh, as wow. often as humanly possible. It is one of my absolute favorite liquids. Um, and we have played in the brown rice world, whether it be with Basil Hayden Toast or, you know, some other spaces, whether they be things that we've done that we'll never see the, the light of day. They just happen to be something that we get to do at the distillery. Um, you know, that's, that's a really, that's a, a cool project that I think that Booker was able to do before he left us. Um, and that we've kind of been able to, to carry on in our own way and, and our own way through the bourbon broom. I think one of the things about that liquid in particular is it happened in December of 2014. It was before people got real interested in all of the nooks and crannies of what was happening in American whiskey. It was ahead of its time. Theme tends to do that every now and again. We we put out some liquids that were just ahead of their time. And if you get your hands on them now with the appreciation that people have, I think that it really resonates. Like, holy shit, they really were putting out this liquid that we just didn't know existed. I think that the Harvest Collection as a whole is that, but the Brown Rice in particular 
Um, so that's one that I will seek out and find as much as humanly possible. I think some of the newer stuff that's come out of the distillery that I'm super excited about and love, the Knob Creek Age Stated, um, mm. you know, not mm. only the nine year, which I love, the, the 12 year, that, uh. that first release of the 12 was, you know, there were, it depends on where you I didn't have it. I haven't I, had it. I had them both and dear God. They were incredible. So there was one that was a cherry bomb. There was one that was like an absolute cherry bomb. That's one of my favorite things to find in Knob Creek Barrels. Um, it has this ability after 9, 12, sometimes 15 years to just like blow up in this cherry space. And I really, really enjoy that. Um, I have a love for bakers, whether it be, you know, just the liquid, which I do love and have loved since I was behind the stick. Um, or, you know, the fact that Baker Beam is a real man and I adore him. So, you know what I mean? Like all of those, those all play into that space i love bookers when i am in my pajamas we like to call that pajama whiskey um you know because you, <laughs> you need to be close to your pajamas when you're going to consume bookers but um you know that's a rule now it, that's, that's a rule, rule. Not, now i can't i can't drink i will it. never drink it I, I promise you uh dana just texted and said that bobby's phone died um we had a fantastic freeze of his face for a couple of seconds there which was fantastic um but beth thank you again thank you so much can't wait to see you in person this was so much fun. Um, this will be releasing on Tuesday. At, at the very least, on Tuesday, we might have enough stuff to make it a two-parter. And then, obviously, when we get back from um, the Bourbon Festival, we'll have more stuff and more interviews and all of that. Um, but thank you again so much, Beth. We love you. We can't wait to see love you, you in person. And thanks, everybody, for watching. For the few of you that are still sticking around, um, <laughs> remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase. Thanks, guys. Bye, y'all. Thank I, you. I got to find a button. I'm so bad at finding buttons. All right. Just hit your X. Yeah, the X and then end now. Yeah, okay, great. Good job, everybody. <laughs>